Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Time now for the College Football Inquirer with Dan Wetzel. All right, a couple things here. One, this is the most absurd thing I've ever heard of in my life. This is worse than the cock commander. How do you suspend your own mascot? It's your mascot. SI's Russ Gellinger. You know, I went in skeptical of just the whole system in general, like, and then I came out even more skeptical. I mean, because you're pouring over this ridiculous data. And SI's Pat Forty. You know, like the expectation realistically is not, all right, Brian Kelly, year one, we're just going to go beat Alabama's ass. But at the same time, this doesn't look like vintage Alabama. Here's Pat, Russ, and Dan. Hi, welcome to the pod. We have the first college football playoff committee rankings. Feel the excitement. (laughs) Yeah. That's my gust. That's like my moderate Gus Johnson. Not even just Gus, <laughs> Gus Johnson could turn this into something exciting. Uh, we are taping after the first rankings. We taped m- much of the show earlier today, so we didn't keep producer Sean up all night. So if it gets a little clunky and we like repeat ourselves, it's not because we're just like senile or drunk. <laughs> well, was, we're just, speak for yourself. We forgot. Well, we could be, but that's not the only reason. Not the only reason. Before we get to the rankings, a little bit of news out of the uh, the affair in Michigan. Michigan State has suspended four more players from their uh, from their team. Uh, most notably, uh, starter Jacoby Winman, a linebacker. That defense will be down three starters against Illinois, uh, and Winman is a is a good one. Yeah, tied for second in the Big Ten in sacks. Although they moved yeah. him more back to the middle, I think, from the edge. So his sack numbers aren't going to be as good. But still, I mean, he's he's probably their best defensive player. Yeah. So the Michigan State fans that keep telling me that maybe that no, the, the guys didn't even get hurt on Michigan or there's just some magic bullet that's going to come down. And, like, Michigan State keeps suspending guys. So I'm, I'm wondering where this, like, big reveal is. Mm-hmm. In their heads. Mm-hmm. May not may not be trending in that direction, mm-hmm. but uh, we'll see. Uh, that's eight. I don't know. We'll see what happens with those guys. Uh, but uh, that is uh, that's the latest on that. If you want to hear more of our opinion on this, we've had uh, two podcasts where we discussed yeah. uh, the brawl at the big house extensively. So go listen to those. Yeah, overreaction pod and the emergency pod uh, Monday night. 
knows that we're all over it. All right. The college football playoff has come out with its rankings. Number one, Tennessee Volunteers. Not particularly surprised at that. First time they've been number one. Ohio State is number two. Georgia is number three. Clemson is four. Michigan is five. Alabama is six. TCU is seven. Oregon, eight. Southern California, nine. LSU, 10. Ole Miss, 11. Uh, UCLA, K-State, Utah, Penn State, we get into it. A few other notables, uh, Oregon State at 23, Tulane at 19, and Illinois at 16. First time they've ever been ranked in the playoff, 10 years of the playoff. Yeah, welcome. Oh, there's that. Welcome. Ross, anything stood out for you here? I would say the first thing that kind of stands out is uh, two loss LSU in the top 10. I didn't expect that. Highest ranked two loss team uh, above several, right? One loss teams, uh, Ole Miss, UCLA, Illinois, North Carolina, LSU's above above all of them at number 10. Kind of sets up, obviously, a the top 10 showdown. Maybe that's what the CFP wanted. Uh, top 10 showdown, Alabama number six and, and LSU number 10. So that's the one that probably stuck out first. You know, I you know, I knew about Michigan's weak non-conference schedule, but I, I still thought the committee would actually put them in the top four. Um, they're number five behind Clemson, which seems to be one of the more points of uh, outrage, as well as Alabama being as a one-loss team being ahead of TCU. Yeah, I, I, I that all was a little bit perplexing to me. I mean, I would have had Michigan ahead of Clemson. I would have had TCU ahead of Alabama. I would have had Georgia ahead of Ohio State. Uh, you know, I don't know how Georgia beating Oregon by 46 isn't more impressive by a long way than anything Ohio State has done. But, you know, this is all, uh, thankfully, this is all meaningless. You know, it gets everybody talking, gets everybody riled up. And I did, I allowed myself to get riled up one time when Boo Corrigan, in the thankless role of being the committee spokesperson, the chair who has to get on TV and give answers and then get on a teleconference with the media and give answers, said that we're looking for complete teams. And I think this is in reference to TCU and perhaps not being as good defensively, and that's why they were ranked uh, behind Alabama and some others there. Why are you looking for complete teams? That's not your job. You're not there to judge the completeness of it. If you were, Georgia wouldn't have been number one last year. They weren't a complete team at this point. They were a historically great defense with a pretty good offense. You know, they just, they throw stuff out there and it's like, what, you know, y'all quit trying to be like football experts and just judge the records and the resumes and go from there. That's, that's what drives me crazy when all of a sudden you get an AD who's busy as hell trying to be an AD all of a sudden stepping in and saying, well, this is a more complete team. They're certainly more explosive. They can get the ball to the outer thirds. You know, stuff like just stop, <laughs> stop, stop. Quit being football analysts and just put the teams in order. Well, I'm glad you're still fired up. <laughs> Boo Corgan. First off, I like having Boo in charge. <laughs> a day after Halloween. Yeah. Like we had, we got Boo, Boo in charge. That's we could Boo, Boo eventually. Yeah, whatever, you know. To, yeah, I mean, this is so stupid. <laughs> they should they should, look at they should have a single preset 
statistical computer module, computer, computer module, whatever it is. That's what they should have. But I know we can't do that because we're, this is college football and we don't like math. Mm. So we can't do that. So then you have these absurd things like, yes, I, I, a complete team or they start really trying to analyze. No, it, who won? Yeah. It doesn't matter who won the game. That's yeah. all that matters. Uh, I don't care what you're thinking. Look, I go. I use this example often, but the first year I knew it was BS when, not that they did deserve it, but when the reason they put Ohio State into the playoff the first year was because they liked th- their third-string quarterback <laughs> was really good <laughs> because Cardell uh, Jones played and everyone else had been hurt. You can't rank a team based on how good their third-string quarterback is because you, if your guy hasn't, your first stringer hasn't been injured, that team was unable to show you how good their third string quarterback is. But they used it as the literal criteria to put them into the playoff. Now, it wasn't a bad choice, but it was like, you guys are just making the crap up at this point. And they always are. Now, this is a marketing. You said, Ross, maybe they put LSU at 10 so they could have a top 10 matchup. I wouldn't even be, I wouldn't even have a problem with that because this entire thing is yeah. just marketing, right? It's a TV show. So why why the hell didn't you have Tennessee Georgia one two? Yeah, for marketing purposes. Yeah. <laughs> like was there was there some just incredible football or analytic integrity that just had to get the Buckeyes in there at two over three? <laughs> or did you want to immediately avoid the oh my god SEC domination backlash? Like it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. One of them's gonna win. One of them's gonna lose. I don't know. But other than that, I mean, whatever. Most of this, Michigan's five. Okay, well, they get to play Ohio State. There are 14 teams, by my reckoning, that can still make the playoff, uh, regardless of where they're currently ranked. And that includes number 16, like Illinois, includes number 17, North Carolina could win out, potentially make it. LSU can make it. Yeah, that's the one I didn't have on my list before. But if they're at number 10 with two losses... Yeah, sure. They would have to beat Alabama, and then they would maybe go to Atlanta and avenge the Tennessee loss. Right. Yeah. Ten and two, do they get in as the SEC champ? I would think they got a pretty good case. Ole Miss can make it. Alabama, Tennessee, and Georgia. That's your SEC teams. Uh, Ole Miss still gets a shot at Alabama, can still win the West. So if you're sitting there at 11 and one and you got victories over Alabama and either Georgia or Tennessee, you're going to get in. Yep. Oregon, USC, and UCLA still have a case. Mm-hmm. I do not like the narrative that Oregon was eliminated because the first game was so bad. No. It was bad. Yeah. But they improved. If they improve and they end up winning out, they certainly have a candidacy. Now, obviously, if there's four unbeaten teams, no, you're not getting in. Or if they're head-to-head with Georgia, you're not getting in. But... I certainly like that the Ducks were ranked high because they do look good. That first game was atrocious, and it should matter, but it should also be the bit where it's like, hey, they got better. Illinois, as we have said, has got a chance. They visit Michigan, and then they could conceivably play Michigan or Ohio State again in the Big Ten championship game, so they could get in. Ohio State and Michigan can obviously get in. TCU obviously can get in from the Big Ten. They're unbeaten. North Carolina could run the table, beat Clemson in the ACC championship game, and they have a case. I don't know if it's great, 
but their one loss could end up being to Notre Dame, who could still have a pretty good season. And obviously Clemson can make it. So those are my 14. Yeah. Yeah. I'd say North Carolina would be the lowest ever team to make it. Right now, Ohio State at 16 uh, in 2014 is the lowest to make it. North Carolina 17. Um, but they, yeah, they've got a path. They would probably, yes, like you said, need some help if there's under third string teams. QB. Yeah. They need the third. <laughs> yeah. They need the third. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But no, I mean, look, it, it's all superfluous and it wasn't outrageous. There were just a few irksome elements to it all. I thought. I still don't believe these guys. I mean, think about Ward Manuel is on this, right? (laughs) Michigan AD. He might be kind of busy today. Mm -hmm. Yeah, all these guys have have a day job. It's, it's, you know, and and they're supposed to be paying attention to all the games and they have whatever the ability with an (laughs) iPad or something. The CFP gives them like an, you know, an iPad and some kind of login to, to watch replays of all the games like... And I'm sure some of them try, and they're they're watching all yeah. the replays. But I mean, it's also stupid. Yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> yes, I am sure they, they they can condense them and watch them fast. But think how many games you have to watch to adequately rank 25 teams. I mean, that's a yeah, lot of games. I, yeah, I don't think it's even possible. I don't either. And then it's like personal opinion, right? Yeah. You, I like a defense. You like an off. Again, I don't know. Yeah. I also find, like, nothing against Ward Manuel. He's, I mean, the guy played football. He knows football, right? He's been 80 at all levels. Uh, really smart guy. But, like, if you're the Michigan AD, then you have to, like, excuse yourself. Yeah. It's like, don't you kind of expect to be in the in it most years? Yeah. I mean, wh- who was it, like? Yeah, I mean, ain't like Joe Castiglione's been on there when Oklahoma was always in the mix. And- Gene Smith, Ohio yeah, State, right. every year. Yeah, yeah. And you got to spe- – so you join a committee so you can't ever vote? <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I don't understand. Go out in the hallway and eat some more cream corn? <laughs> Ross, you did the little practice thing. Was Yeah. It, can, you, can you explain any of this? No, me? no. In fact, um, <laughs> not at all. In fact uh, – you know, I went in skeptical of just the whole system in general, like, and then I came out even more skeptical. I mean, because you're pouring over this ridiculous data, these like advanced stats and metrics, and you know, we're sitting in the middle arguing over, you know, who's going to the playoff or who's six or who's seven or who's two and who's three, and somebody's citing like a four point whatever difference in their strength of record against top 25 teams i'm like what are we doing like what what are we doing um and uh it just i just came away thinking man is there like some kind of way that we can take this committee out of it and take the subjectivity out of it like the nfl and all the professional sports do and somehow seed based on conference standing because it's just so silly being being in that being in that room well, here's what here's the thing. All right, so yeah, yes, there is, but they're not going to do it. You need somebody at the end, and that would be fine if they just met once. But you don't need to do this whole thing. But I do think that, like, when they get to the twelve, first off, everyone can play their way in, including Tulane, right? Like, t- yeah. does Tulane wish we had Tulane will be in right now, right? Right. So everyone can play their way in, right? Yeah. So now you're dealing with teams that didn't. 
didn't win their conference and it's less important. The seeding will be a big deal, but I, I, I just think it's, it's almost like, I don't know. Well, I don't know. I mean, it just, I, maybe it's just less important because more teams are getting in. But honestly, when this thing works out, it's probably only going to be four choices. There really wasn't that much controversy most years. Right. Was, who was five last year? Notre Dame, and they lost to Cincinnati, right? Five. Actually, there would have been controversy if not for the goal line stand from Baylor to stop that's to, right, that's to beat right. Oklahoma State. But it worked itself out. It worked out. itself yeah. out. Otherwise, uh, I mean, that there was the been... one year Texas A&M still complained. Jimbo was going to win it all yeah. that one. You know. Yeah. yeah. Eh. So I think it does. I did. I don't yeah. know. I did have a couple of my my trigger warnings shut off again when we got to strength of record. That's just hmm. thrown out the, there is this empirical stat. You know, it's like it's so silly. Yeah. Who computes the strength of record? Who makes the formula? Where did this come from? Well, yeah. You know, all of a sudden they, they just throw it out there like it's this ironclad thing. Well, strength and of ESPN record keeps says, using it. And actually, during the show, oh, yeah, Joey Galloway it's was ESPN's like, "ESPN's thing." Yeah, Joey Galloway was like, "What is this thing we keep using?" Like he kind of called ESPN out, like on the did on he? the set, Good. and and Good. Um, then Reese started to try to like explain it, and which did no good at all because it's hard to explain <laughs> it silly. So. Yeah, yeah. You have to hear a lot and about we'll the tune in of record that some somebody at ESPN Stats and Info I probably came up with, and that's now gospel. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yet we will tune in next week. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we will. All right, so let's talk about this matchup: Tennessee, Georgia, the mega showdown no one saw coming, which is fun. I don't think anyone had this circle of those, you know, summer top 10 games of the year, you know, must be at games. But here we are, Josh Heupel, Hendon Hooker, the Tennessee Volunteers have risen up. And now this game against Georgia is an absolute monster, as we just mentioned, for playoff purposes, for SEC title purposes, just for this could. This is going to be great. Biggest game on the Georgia campus, and you guys can tell me. Been a while where you get this level of a game. Uh, huge stakes and what should be just a really exciting game. I mean, we just have an awesome Saturday. This is at 3.30, followed by LSU, Alabama at LSU, which we'll get to. And then Clemson-Notre Dame's at the same time as Alabama-LSU. So big noon window, you can screw around. Afternoon. Get yourself in front of a TV or get get yourself somewhere. So let's talk about this. Pat, what do you see as the key? Uh, we'll bake these picks on race for the case, but going into this, what do you want to see from Tennessee? What do you want to see from Georgia that uh, would make either of them successful? Well, whose strength is better? Because it's a strength-on-strength matchup. Tennessee's offense, especially its big play passing game, against Georgia's defense. You got the best offense in the SEC and the best defense. Georgia, you know, year over year has just been uh, incredible defensively. Uh, Last year, they had the best defense in the country by a wide margin. This year, right now, they're second behind Illinois. And they just don't give up a lot of easy stuff. And Tennessee just feasts on big plays. I mean, they are just an absolute big play volcano. They are by far first in the nation in passing plays of 30 yards or longer and 40 yards or longer. Hendon Hooker's been great. 
Jalen Hyatt, Brew McCoy, and now Cedric Tillman's back. They've got a receiving core that's uh, very explosive. So who wins that battle? Can And, and Tennessee's just going to throw that crazy tempo at them. And it bothered Georgia last year at the beginning of the game. Took Georgia a quarter to kind of get their feet under them. So can their tempo bother Georgia, or can Georgia frustrate Tennessee, a Tennessee offense that's been used to just going bing, bang, boom down the field? You know, I think Georgia obviously has a little more experience in huge games, but Tennessee has not shown any problem with that. I mean, the way they played against uh, Alabama, uh, and they played well on the road at LSU. Now, that was LSU at 11 a.m. before the drinking had, had taken full effect to Dan's dismay. And uh, and LSU isn't as good, but still, I, I don't think Tennessee's going to walk into this and say, oh, my God, we're in too big a setting. So can't wait to see it. Going to be a great matchup. Dan, you mentioned how unexpected this this is, and it's a good indication. You know, this this week we've got the SEC West on the line, obviously, and, and the SEC East on the line. And part of CBS's deal with the SEC is that twice a year – they get a doubleheader. They get a daytime doubleheader at noon and 3.30. Then they get a nighttime doubleheader at 3.30 and 7. And um, they have to pick those before the season begins. And they did not pick this weekend as one of their as one of their day or nighttime doubleheaders. Uh, they picked uh, a few weeks ago they had it, and then they'll have it, I think, next week or the next maybe. They'll, they'll have the, the doubleheader. So it, it, it was that unexpected. I don't think anybody expected LSU or Tennessee to be in this position uh, to where the, the division leads are on the line. But, you know, I, I, in this game, obviously, and, and I think uh, Pat, Pat said it is, is it, it is strength on strength, right? It's it, Georgia's, and specifically Georgia's pass defense, like I think 12th in the nation or something. And Tennessee's uh, passing offense is, uh, I, think only, I think, second. In the, in the country. So it'll be interesting to see the strength on strength and, and what happens there. You know, I feel like uh, this will be a game where the Georgia fans will will have a real impact. I mean, it's 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 going to be packed, uh, you would think. And it'll it'll be curious of how Tennessee handles kind of a electric road environment and uh, Hinden Hooker and the calls they make and all that stuff. They've just They've been just so good in the passing game, and they it seems like in a split second they can score so quickly. But against Georgia, right, they're, they're notorious, notorious the last few years with Kirby as being a team that is very difficult to score on, especially very difficult to score big plays on. Tennessee's got this feel like we're just going to put numbers up on anybody. And um, anybody is here now. So we're going to find out whether that's true because uh, yep. this is Georgia. Georgia, I mean, there's nothing. Georgia looks so solid. It's The weird part is, and, and I recognize they annihilated the Ducks, Oregon Ducks, 49-3 in the opener in, in Atlanta. But since then, the competition has been light. Best next win is the Florida game last week. But you got Samford. South Carolina, Kent State, Missouri, Auburn, Vanderbilt. This is the this is easily the big test. Tennessee has had a much more rigorous road. Now, Georgia defeated Florida 42-20. I think Tennessee won like 39-33 or something like that. Uh, so that's like kind of your common opponent there. That would probably be your best game. But Tennessee's a little bit more battle tested and all that. 
uh, and it's just going to be that offense. It's, it's can you go in? I'm excited for the, for for Sanford Stadium, one of the great stadiums in the country. Mm-hmm. Athens, mm-hmm. one of the great cities, college towns to host a game this big. Uh, like we said, it doesn't happen enough. They get Auburn up there sometimes, but you know, with the fate of the Georgia Tech rivalry, the fact you play Florida down in in Jacksonville, like Kirby saying, he, he, you know, he needs to get the, the recruits to campus and they go to the big game. I'm guessing he's doing pretty well with the old visitor list this weekend. It's probably the biggest game there since Pat. I think you and I were were there for the Notre Dame game, maybe four years ago, three or four years ago, right? Yeah, the Notre Dame uh, game uh, it was a night game right? against Notre Dame. Notre Dame was ranked pretty high. It was a really it ended up being a really good game. Georgia won, and it was electric. And I, I would expect it's you know it's going to be something like that. It's bigger than that too, because this is yeah, really it's yeah, yeah, yeah. In uh, in 2015, they hosted Alabama in just a huge showdown game and Alabama just smoked them. Uh, I, I don't, one? I know Alabama ended up number one. I don't remember what the rankings were at the time. I do remember my son was on his official visit to Georgia and got to be on the sideline, see Herschel Walker, and then sat there in the rain and watched Alabama destroy Georgia. But, uh, it, uh, it, that, that game jumped to mind. They've had a couple home games against Alabama where both were ranked really highly and they turned out very badly for the Bulldogs. Uh, so in terms of SEC games, this is right right up there with those ones. Clemson, I think, did a home and home with them. I mean, it happens, but it's it's just the the way it's been as Georgia has climbed up. We just haven't had that. So, you know, I don't know. It's funny. Like, there's a moment in with Tennessee with Josh Heupel. It's like they're playing with house money, but then at the same time, it's like all of a sudden it's right there for you. And it, it it doesn't feel like house money anymore. It, it feels like we got to get this because you yeah. only got so many cracks at that where you're sitting 8-0 this deep in a season. And if they can get past Georgia, Missouri, South Carolina, Vanderbilt, and this would be just an absolutely unexpected miracle run to, to Atlanta for, for Tennessee. And, uh, you know, particularly if you're staring in at at LSU and at uh, at Georgia on your schedule, and of course uh, Alabama showing up, so should be a significant thing. All right, one of my favorite topping point talking points, Pat's favorite player of all time, uh, the law firm. Oh yeah, there can we go. Stetson baby. Bennett. Can Stetson Bennett do this? Are we? St- is can I still doubt Stetson Bennett, or is that not allowed? <laughs> no, no, it is not allowed. So we it's got nine allowed. touchdowns on the year. Hendon's so, got 21. <laughs> different strokes for different folks, different teams. I know this. Different schemes. Can he do this? How did he do in the playoff last year? Pretty well. How, pretty well. Yeah, pretty, yeah. pretty well. I know. Pretty well. Pretty well. Um, Danny sounds so sad. He sounds so pretty I was well. wrong. Yeah, pretty <laughs> well. Sounds so dejected. Damn that Stetson Bennett for playing well. Damn him. <laughs> Best this year. Who did he have that long touchdown run against this year? Uh, that was unbelievable. Yeah. Thing just yeah. opened up. They're like, yeah, we had put a spy on Stetson and all of a sudden it was like gone. Like, oh. That was against Auburn. Auburn, yeah. yeah. That guy can yeah. run. Yeah. Yeah. That's how you get a $50 million buyout or whatever. <laughs> no. Going to be fascinating. Anything can happen in that one. We'll pick the game on, um, we'll pick the game uh, later this week on Race for the Case. Then the nightcap, LSU. Alabama, Alabama visits LSU. 
Brian Kelly is in the house. I, you know, this to me is obviously Bama's got to keep winning. LSU can still win the the SEC. LSU can still go to the playoff. Yep. LSU can can win out, win the West, beat Tennessee and avenge a loss, or beat Georgia in the SEC title game at eleven and two. Does LSU get to go to the playoff if they've got that resume? Uh, that's it's a an fight. interesting thought. Yeah. So a you fight. figure the SEC champion's getting in, but it's a two-loss SEC champion, that would yeah. be... What if they avenge one of the losses, which would be Tennessee? Right, Yeah. right. Right, right. they get in. I, I think they would Then get their in. only loss yeah. is an opening weekend lo- yeah. loss to FSU. Yeah. By a point. I yeah. don't know. I, th- uh, I think they would get in, yeah. What's yeah. the old... Uh, Less miles bit. You, we we didn't lose in regulation. That got him in once. <laughs> that, that was extraordinary circumstances. Right. All time uh, great. Uh, uh, yes, undefeated yeah. in regulation. Yes, undefeated yes, in yeah, regulation. Yeah. Oh, oh, okay. It's like when they do those stats, like so, like they do it more in basketball. Like Villanova's uh, forty and twenty eight on Wednesdays. Oh. <laughs> what the hell does that mean? Uh, speaking of Wednesdays, uh, hats off. Welcome back, Maction. Yeah. Just real quickly. Yeah. I like empty stadiums and the dark and cold of the Midwest. <laughs> it's, hey, we need we need our Tuesday and Wednesday nights to be to be enlivened by Maction and the fun belt. I think it was somebody said it's very bold of the World Series to try to go up against Maction this week. <laughs> the fun belt. Get the fun belt in there. Anyway. So Brian Kelly leaves Notre Dame to go to LSU. And to me, it is because he knew at Notre Dame, he just was never going to get over that hump where he could walk into a game against, uh, I think Alabama was his main focus, and be able to, to say, I've got the athletes that can beat Alabama. I can do, we can do this without play, pitching some absolute perfect game. Uh, he had tried and tried and tried at Notre Dame and he never could quite get there. He does not have LSU at that level that I think they will get to, but it's a sure is a heck of a lot closer in terms of just pure athletic ability and a lot of talent uh, that he has. I don't know whether this LSU team is better than some of those Notre Dame teams. Probably not, but this is his first crack there. How big of a game is this for Brian Kelly? How meaningful is this game for Brian Kelly? Because he gave up an extremely comfortable existence and a program that was sort of on cruise control, and he could have gone down, and he was already the winningest coach at Notre Dame, to take on this challenge. And I think it's for nights like Saturday that he just never thought he could have at Notre Dame. This is why he left. This is what he wanted. Here it is. How big is this for him, Ross? Yeah, yeah. It's a big one, but I, I do think, you know, people understand what you we just said, right? They, 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 you know, year one, he hasn't, amassed probably the the talent in the roster that um he he probably needs to to beat Alabama but having said that they've been playing a lot better you know uh, I think it all starts with the quarterback you know because they have a pretty they've had a pretty solid defense all season they they pray, played pretty well in most games they've got a pretty solid running back and Daniels uh, he's he's kind of taken off lately so it all starts with the quarterback and um, I think Jaden Daniels and his receivers have kind of hit their stride, I guess, the last couple of weeks after that rough game against Tennessee. Kayshawn Butte, um, you know, he's 
he's come around, started playing better, kind of a, a guy that a lot of people said it was kind of checked out, so to speak. It's checked back in, I guess. And he's been playing well. So I this one feels to me like it it's not that the normal one of the last, you know, 10 of the last 12 years when these two teams meet and you're like, well, LSU has no chance, you know, in this game. And that's what it's felt like. Like probably at least eight of the last 10, I've kind of felt like that. This one doesn't feel like that. And I think it's because LSU's playing better, but it's also at night game at Tiger Stadium, going to be pretty electric. But also it's because we've, God, we've seen Alabama exposed this year. We've seen Texas almost win. We've seen Arkansas score 23 straight points at them. We've seen A&M come within a play, and then Tennessee beat them. So, uh, you know, there's been some some holes exposed, and I kind of expect this to be like a fourth-quarter game. Yeah, I, you know, it, it, it's fascinating to me what the LSU fan mindset will be because I think what both you guys are saying is right, is that, you know, like the expectation realistically is not, all right, Brian Kelly, year one, we're just going to go beat Alabama's ass. <laughs> But at the same time, this doesn't look like vintage Alabama. Ross detailed the struggles they've had. They, you know, if you want to look at it on the negative side, they are two plays away from having three losses this year. Uh, They have not been very good on the road. This will be a hell of an environment. And I know LSU fans, when they get one look at Saban, they just lose their minds. Like, we got to beat Saban. And so... You know, I, I think that the expectation level may ratchet up beyond on Saturday night. It may be different than it is on Tuesday afternoon uh, as far as what LSU fans want to see from their team. So I expect it to be a good game. I expect it to be a close game. I expect Alabama to win, but they've got to play a lot cleaner than they have on the road. They've, you know, cut down on the penalties, cut down on the turnovers, cut down on the dumb plays and sloppy plays. So, yeah. I will be watching with great interest for sure. All their road games this year, right? They've amassed an yep. absurd amount of penalties. I, I have to go back and the average is probably like right around eight to 10 penalties a, a game on the road this year. So they're, they're definitely, I was talking to some, like a former saving assistant this morning, actually. And he expressed a disappointment in the discipline of Alabama's team. Just don't see it a lot with the saving coach team. And now they're going to a, a night kickoff at, at Tiger Stadium. So Alabama's averaged 11 penalties per game and had over a hundred yards in penalty yards in each wow. of those incredible road, road games. Road game, yeah. And it's the uh, preferred cocktail hour for the uh, <laughs> temperamental <laughs> LSU drinker who just can't be bothered with morning or day drinking. So most persnickety of all functioning alcoholic fan bases. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, but they get their time on this one. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be loud, and it's going to be really, really interesting for LSU on that one. All right, one more just to hit on, for first of all. Searching for NBA playoff coverage? We've got you. The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, gives you an inside look into the world of sports. Hosted by former NBA sharpshooter and Duke legend J.J. Redick and sports writer Tommy Alter, The Old Man and the Three offers unprecedented access to the league. Tommy and JJ discuss the NBA and interview some of the biggest names in the league, like Devin Booker and Luka Doncic. NBA final season is the perfect time to dive in, and you can listen to The Old Man and the Three wherever you get your podcasts. To hear episodes brought to you by BMW.
Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard. BMW, the ultimate driving machine. Clemson. They've got to sit there and kind of wait for some of this traffic to go out. But they're at Notre Dame. And Notre Dame to me is just, as Pat, we've been saying this for a couple shows now, but just a complete X factor. They looked really good last week. Drew Pine is not this elite quarterback, but he's also one of these guys that's probably capable of, you know, some otherworldly 25 of 29, you know, for 262 yards or 212 <laughs> yards with all those collisions and just get this done and go down in the lore. You have to go to South Bend at night. No, it's not as drunk as, uh, as Baton Rouge, but they, you know, it's not a dry County either. <laughs> You, far from it. You got the lights. You got the whole thing. Notre Dame can be tough. This is a, this, you know, this looked like one of the big games. Here, here it was, right? Top five game of the year. Probably Clemson visiting Notre Dame. It isn't yep. anymore, but Notre Dame could make it into something. And for Clemson, this is, it's like, first it looked like a huge game. Then it looked like a walk. And then you sit there and go, what is this, this team has beaten North Carolina and Syracuse in somewhat impressive fashion. They also lost to Marshall and Stanford. So, what's Clemson need to have? We don't, you know, DJ Ungole is he is he a hundred percent there? Do you have a quick hook? What's going on with Clemson and how big is? I mean, I don't need to say how big the game is. They got to win it. But just your thoughts on what Clemson's bringing into this, uh, Pat? Yeah, got to play a lot cleaner than they did against Syracuse when they nearly gave the game away at home with four turnovers. They were a minus four turnover margin and one, which is not easy to do against a competent opponent, which Syracuse is. And so that was largely a credit to their defense for keeping them in it. But Notre Dame's defense is very good. You know, I mean, there's pros on the Notre Dame defense, and there are high school All-Americans on both sides of the ball for Notre Dame. So, yes, to your point, Notre Dame has been all over the map, up and down, unpredictable, but it's not like they don't have the players that can get on the field and play with Clemson if, they, if they're hitting on a high level. So, mm. yeah, whether it's a shorter leash on DJ Uyunglele or what the case may be, uh, we'll see with Cade Klubnik having shown, you know, he's got some, obviously some talent and some moxie coming off the bench. Can they run the ball? Can they, you know, they, they've got to generate offense. That's it. They're still not a great offensive team. Since Trevor Lawrence left, they have been a pretty laborious offensive uh, program. And they're a little better this year, but they're still not where they used to be. So I would expect this to be relatively close and relatively low scoring. And yeah, don't don't let Notre Dame hang around and have a chance to win this thing because things like that sometimes happen in Notre Dame Stadium. Yeah, I, I can't figure out Notre Dame. You know, we talked about it off the top, talked about it quite a bit this year. It's just how you how can you lose at home to Stanford and Marshall and one on the road at uh, North Carolina and Syracuse and, and BYU out in Vegas. I, I can't figure them out. But the big thing in this game for me definitely is like Clemson's quarterback position. How how quick is the hook with DJ? Two picks. Uh, last game, I mean, last game was you know one of the one of his worst, and um, I just I, I wonder. And, and Dabo just keeps, I mean, he's he's totally in his corner. It's just constant. You hear from Dabo about how he's the guy, he's our starter. Don't write him off. All this stuff, and then of course, what does Dabo do? But but you know, pull him from the game, and it, it's it's interesting. I I, I just. 
I, w- I would love to crawl into the mind of, uh, of Dabo to see like what the plan is, like how quick is he, how, you know, how quick is he going to do it? How much leash is he going to give him? That's, that feels like the, the biggest one in this game. And, and it's funny because we saw, was it two years ago, right? This game happened and DJ was the big star. He came in for Trevor. Oh, it was who, unbelievable. What well, was it? COVID, right? Wasn't it COVID? He yeah, missed the game yeah, because of yeah. COVID. And, I was there. I was at the game. Yeah. yeah. I mean, this was the big game where he broke out and all the expectations yep. Were, were just went through the roof on him, and he's never, maybe never played quite as good as he did that night. And then it's like the, it's a little bit, yeah, it's the reversal. And but then at the same time, you want to play Cade Klubnik, who's a true freshman, into that spot. Like if, if there is some, if DJ struggles, presumably the game is then close, or even Notre Dame has a lead. You know, it's pull the ripcord, right? Pull the emergency, break break, uh, break glass in the case of emergency. Now you're throwing a true freshman on the road, Notre Dame Stadium, NBC, into that deal. So that that's not the i that's not the best way to handle that. Now these kids from Austin Westlake and stuff, they seem fairly prepared for whatever yeah. comes at them. So um, he's he been a be big like, deal for a long time. Yeah, he's like, what is this? What's this little stadium? <laughs> Uh, are too worried about it, but it's it's all there. So that's gonna be uh, that's gonna be uh, a pretty fascinating. All right, the Big Twelve Conference. Want to get to a little of the business of college football? Has uh, agreed to, or is in the process of agreeing to a two point three billion dollar extension. Uh, we need guardrails. Uh, this is <laughs> guardrails. This uh, this this nil and this transfer. It's ruining the sport. We're dead. Uh, no, the Big 12, Brett Yormark came in, promised something good, and it's a six-year deal. Uh, this is pretty good for the Big 12. Uh, they're losing Texas and Oklahoma, but the average payout uh, for teams will, I think, uh, eventually hit $47 million. Is that correct? Uh, at the end of this thing, there's there's also could be the college football playoff money. Uh, whatever it is, you, can, you guys can tell me. I think they're going to get like – Five million more with the extension than they are currently getting with with Texas and Oklahoma in the league is how I, I read it, and a lot of people thought once Texas and Oklahoma leave, the thing falls apart. There's money there; it's not going to keep up with the others with the SEC and the Big Ten, but it never will because there just aren't as many people. But this is a good deal where I think all these teams, these twelve teams, no one's going to look to leave, and you now have a playoff spot guaranteed, and you have a really exciting league. What's up with this deal, and uh, how much did your mark come through for him, Pat? Yeah, I think it's uh, I think it's a good deal, and I you know I, I think Ross and I broke the story, or maybe Ross broke I the story of, of your mark being hired, and I remember you know gauging reaction from certain people within the conference and outside, and there was a fair amount of mockery. It was like, who's this guy? What does he know about college sports? And you know, three months, four months later, look, he, he was hired to do one thing, and so far he's doing it. That's to pump up the league revenue to make deals so that they can make money. He said as much in his first address to the media at Big 12 Media Days in July. He said Big 12 is open for business, and he said the most important thing we can do is to build momentum for media rights negotiations. And then, boom, he went out and fast-tracked it. He said we're not going to wait till you know, closer to the contracts up. 
we're going for it now. And he locked up a deal that's a good deal. You're getting more money. And it's indicative that if you can get more money without Texas and Oklahoma, that media rights are doing indeed what we've seen them do with like the Big Ten, too. They're going up, up, up. It's still a good market for that yeah. business. So, And he got ahead of the Pac-12, which and ultimately doesn't necessarily mean that much, but there's been this compare-contrast push and pull between those two leagues for months now, ever since USC and UCLA announced their departure for the Big Ten. And for the moment, Big 12 says, you can get behind us, Pac-12. We, we've got, we're more stable at the, this moment, and we're going to make more money until we see what the Pac-12 puts on the table. Yeah, I, you know, like Pat said, he, he kind of did. Uh, I remember when he was, when we broke the news, it was higher. The reaction, um, the kind of reaction from a lot of people in college athletics is, what? Like, this guy is, doesn't know much about college athletics, for one. And two, just does not fit in somewhere like the Big 12. Like, imagine him visiting Stillwater, they said. And, you know, he's <laughs> he's straight out of Manhattan. Like, he's a Manhattan businessman. So the reaction was, what the heck are they doing? And then when realignment kind of, which was like two days later, is when USC yeah. and UCLA left. And then it kind of created all of this, you know, hysteria among college athletics about, you know, what happens in the future and there's these media rights stuff. And I, I, I heard from someone who said, Brett Yarmark was an absurd hire before USC and UCLA announcement and after their after their announcement he was an incredible hire because he is super aggressive and he will you know make these deals and these backroom type of deals and work people and it's exactly what the big 12 needs with texas and ou leaving usc and ucla's decision the big 12 needing to expand needing to you know get more out of the media rights. He is super aggressive. And now, so all of a sudden he kind of went from this, ah, like, what are they thinking hiring this guy to, oh, this is exactly what they need now. And boy, <laughs> he's kind of delivered. He has, like, like, it's a good deal. Is it the greatest deal? No, but it's not a bad deal. And I think everybody's media rights is going to go up, except the ACC, <laughs> except the ACC. But I think everybody's is going to go up because of the Big Ten and SECs going up. It just kind of, it's kind of like changed the market and increased it for everybody. So, you know, I think their deal, Dan was citing some numbers. I think eventually their deal, when you add in all the other revenue streams, is going to get to 50 million, you know, a year, which is pretty good. Still puts them 20 million behind the SEC. Person, and I'm citing per school numbers. So 50 million per school, but it's still 20 million behind the SEC, maybe 30 million behind the Big Ten or more. So it's still behind, but you're still keeping pace, at least with the ACC. And then you get a leg up on the Pac-12 in their deal. And and now everybody's kind of watching them. You know, if we're going to have more realignment, it probably is going to be determined on whatever the Pac-12's deal is and whatever, the, whatever they can get out of Amazon or, or Apple or, or ESPN, I guess, uh, even though they're negotiating window with ESPN and Fox uh, has ended. So, and that's the thing too, Brett came in and, you know, he was going to get a deal done, you know, in this short time period where the Pac-12, they kind of went through their negotiating window and now to the open market where it could take a little longer, although I heard it's going to be done by Thanksgiving. But we'll see. The The thing is, is I, I think that the Pac-12's deal probably isn't going to be that much different. I, I just don't expect it to be that much different 
to uh, trigger some kind of realignment. But, you know, you, you never know. If the Big Ten still wants some of those Pac-12 schools, I guess it could it could really shake up things. But Brett, I think Brett did a lot, did a lot of good here. And I think a lot of his, you know, administrators uh, are, are really excited about kind of the future right now with, with him. I would say this, like about 15 months ago, the the Oklahoma and Texas say they're leaving to the SEC. And there were some obituaries written about the Big 12. They're, they're, they're going to fall apart. Nobody wanted them. There wasn't going to be any money. This was going to become, you know, the Mountain West of the Plains or whatever, however you wanted to make it, which would have been a clever line had I written one of those obituaries. However, <laughs> 15, fast forward, you have 12 teams. You've got a good television deal. Whether you're behind or not, again, you're always going to be behind. Uh, you know, like you just can't invent the markets. So they could all be, they could all be in the top 10 and you just can't create you just don't have all those big cities that the, that the Big Ten does, you know? So you, you, you just can't have it. So you're going to have enough money where they're going to be able to run competitive football programs. You've expanded out. You've got 12. You're solid. They seem unified, and they now have a path to the playoff, which adds the whole value, creates a lot of excitement. You're no longer sitting there going, I'm a Kansas State fan. I'm an Iowa State fan, and I no longer have a chance. I'm second-tier football so in 15 months i think they are set up for a very nice future and yeah are you going to have ohio state come in and take oklahoma state's defensive coordinator yeah but that that's always going to happen that always was happening that always will happen are, are you ever going to ha- be able to match this or that no but can you now get in the playoff or maybe you can beat them on the field do you can you now it, it's just we're not going mid-major here and right. are you that worried about anybody poaching your teams? No, I wouldn't be. I don't know who who anyone would want. But even if the SEC and Big Ten want you, they're going to take you anyway. But you're not just sitting there going, we got to go. Fire sale, let's get the hell out of here. Sure, if the SEC says, you know what? We want to get even more into Texas. Let's get TCU. and so, uh, Yeah, they'll jump. Maybe. I, I don't know. That'd be kind of weird for TCU. But you do you jump, right? But other than that, which I just don't see, they're in great. I mean, it's to me between Bowlesby and and your mark. I don't know how you could have plotted a better fifteen months for this league. Yeah, no. From I mean, if you remember, I think we were in Japan when it all blew up with yeah. Texas and Oklahoma, and at that point, it looked bad, oh, bad, he, bad. The Tokyo Times was even writing. Well, it was all the talk in the main. Everybody was talking about it in the in Japan. It was (laughs) yeah, they're very worried. And if if um, if the Pac-12 wanted to, then right during that stretch, they could have they could have plucked off two to four, two to four Big Twelve teams, I think, and uh, really kind of imploded the league. In you know, now it's funny year yeah a year later that is uh, that is certainly a possibility the other way around. So George. Klavkov decided not to do it, and Brett Yarmark is seems to be pretty pretty uh, pretty fine with doing it, and uh, that's that's yeah that's an interesting wrinkle to all this. Well, I, I just hope it they is. both stay as is, or if the Pac-12 wants to add a couple teams or something. But I would prefer all the leagues just stay put. Just please, Absolutely, that's my yeah. hope. Whether that's better actually, for college you know, football in general, yeah. 
If including having a good Mountain West. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I agree. I mean, I like. Let's please have a viable Power Five, and let's have a good Mountain West and a good AAC, and heck, a good Sun Belt. Why not? You know, let's. I mean, the more the merrier. I, I don't. I don't want to see more consolidation into the super powerful and the super rich. Okay, Pat, I got a question for you. Okay, the Stanford tree has been <laughs> suspended indefinitely. <laughs> Correct. The Stanford tree is the mascot of Stanford. Pat once did a story where he was the Stanford tree. Correct. And you didn't get the thing suspended. The Stanford tree has been suspended after they held a uh, a banner, went out in a banner during a game that read, Stanford hates fun. <laughs> It was during the uh, Cardinals 15-14 win over Arizona State. It is The message is part of a long-running, according to Stanford Daily, a long-running pro, uh, protest students are holding due to what they see as the university's restrictive social events and parties. <laughs> so Stanford history. Not the first time it's been suspended. All right, a couple things here. One, this is the most absurd thing I've ever heard of in my life. This is worse than the cock commander. <laughs> How do you suspend your own mascot? <laughs> it's your mascot. Okay. Two, if this is about more social life, then free the tree. Free the tree. <laughs> Unequivocal. Three, Pat. What the hell is going on? And do you have like a secret like back channel, like telegrams or anything with other Stanford trees? I'm afraid I have not been included in the the <laughs> former tree fraternity, so to speak, which which does exist and somehow has overlooked me despite my brilliant efforts. At, I think it was 2007 a basketball game against Washington, which I was not a very good tree, but damn it, at the post-game party, I did pretty well there. We played... Uh, Oh gosh, beer pong with the with a couple of other former trees and uh, some members of the band. That was that was quite a time, let me tell you. And that at that point in time, Stanford did not hate fun. I can assure you. But now, <laughs> yeah, this has been going on for I don't know a couple of years now, where Stanford is, I guess, trying to limit funds to places for parties, and they're all mad. I am all for free speech for the tree. Let the tree, it's the tree's job to antagonize everyone, right? To make fun of everyone and antagonize everyone. I agree, free the tree, especially as a former tree. Let my tree go. <laughs> uh, yes, I agree. I agree. I I, uh, I saw that and I, I didn't think it was true. That's how bizarre. That was just all very bizarre. So college sports, like what is going on? The mascot is suspended for a sign. <laughs> God, it's just so typical of this freaking thing we cover. Like just bizarre. Uh, how do you suspend your mascot? You can suspend a guy so in the mascot. Yeah, yeah. It's and just it's so it, weird. Or if it, well, it took a mean shot at like, like it was just over the top. I yep. mean, this, Stanford's got I, a worse punishment than the MSU kids. <laughs> yeah. I did, did see start something a where, brawl? Well, <laughs> he could hit people with his branches. I don't know. 
I did see a former tree said that he would step in for the remainder of the semester. So they, they might still, they might not be abolishing the mascot as much as the person wearing the, the tree. This is not the first time the tree has been suspended either. Uh, this is according to ESPN in 2006. A mascot was suspended during the basketball season for dancing in an undesignated area at the NCAA basketball tournament. Oh, I remember that. Yeah. And another one was suspended for drinking before a game. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and in 2006, there were hazing allegations amongst the trees. <laughs> <laughs> the, the hilarious thing, you know, like Stanford calls itself Nerd Nation for and with pretty good reason, but mm. the tree and the band, those are some rabble rousers now. I mean, they don't mind tweaking and getting in trouble and, and pushing the envelope, that's for sure. I mean, some of the band stuff they used to do was, oh my gosh, I'm not even sure we could talk about it on this podcast, and we could talk about anything. Yikes. So, Oh, they would cancel yeah. the hell out of everything. Like Stanford students now would cancel the tree for the tree's <laughs> old actions. Yeah. Absolutely no no question about it. This, there was no political <laughs> correctness back was, in the day. I, I don't, know don't, maybe, don't, don't say it. I, I think we're guilty just having lived during that period. Maybe so. But there was one time when the band <laughs> formed a man and a woman on the field and had them have intercourse. What? Uh, on the, during the halftime show. Yeah, Stanford? Formation. Yes. Wow. Oh, uh, well, yeah. Yeah, that's, oh boy. <laughs> and there was even more detail, but I will not uh, yeah, go into right, that. I don't, I don't want to. We're not going there. All right. A national champion has been crowned, uh, not in intercollegiate, but in a very important endeavor that that bleeds in. We'll end with this. Uh, the 2022 USA Mullet Championship. Mm. The mullet champion is Scott Salvador of Stillwater, New York. Stillwater, New York. Yeah, a Yankee wins it. How about that? Everything Rise I've up. ever believed in is the, wrong. The now. South is just humiliated at this. Yeah. This is a horrible defeat for the South. The Missouri Compromise didn't come up with anything. The Kentucky <laughs> Conundrum. What happened, SEC? You lost the mullet championship to a guy from New York. Uh, he won the mullet championships. Uh, he has got a, a brilliant mane. I, I mean, this thing is gorgeous. And uh, he calls it the Lord's Drapes. That's what he calls his hair. <laughs> wow. Wow. The Lord's I Drapes. Like the Lord's Drake. <laughs> yeah, he's 34 years old. Uh, he won the uh, fan vote and defeated uh, Dalton Cleghorn from Ohio and Brandon mm. Hernandez from Texas. Wow. I brought the title to Stillwater, Salvador said when he was asked about the thing. Long it, Stillwater. Yeah. I so I looked it, it up. Stillwater is between like Albany and Saratoga. Hmm. So... I mean, not really where I want my mullet champion to come from. Where's Gwen yeah. Ewers in this? Shouldn't yeah, I mean, come right. on? I mean, there are some great lines in this story. New York Post on, on top of this. Mm. Uh, now the Yankee season is over. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Prior to his, it was revealed Salvador had an original mullet, but he cut it off before his marriage. Mm. Cleaned up for the wedding. Uh, but one, uh, he said, I felt like part of me died. He said when asked about being mulletless. Uh, <laughs> once she was uh, legally bound to him, though, it was full speed ahead to grow out his championship winning mullet. 
When asked how big, ha- how having a, a mullet made him feel, he cited a uh, fictional mullet icon, Kenny Powers. As far as happiness goes, I think mullets are a lot like jet skis. <laughs> and to quote my fellow brother in mullet dumb, Kenny Powers, quote, I've never seen a sad person on a jet ski. Well, that's true. Mullet dumb? <laughs> mullet dumb. Mullet dumb. Wow. So I oh, wow. maybe, you know, the US, you can look it up, mulletchamp.com. Yeah, I'm looking it up. It, it's, yeah. it's a hell of a mullet, I have to say. It's a good-looking mullet. There were some good candidates in here. I, I t- I'm looking at the other candidates. I mean, that Dalton Cleghorn of Ohio, that thing is two-toned, and <laughs> they really like the reflecting glasses, the mullet guys. There's definitely a crossover on that. <laughs> and muscle shirts. Of course. Without having muscles. <laughs> <laughs> I will say, like, I mean, he's a little bit too, like, groomed, you know? I'd rather have my mullet winner look a little bit more rough-hewn, I think, than than this dude. The Indiana champ was a woman. Really? Sears, yeah, it looks like, yeah. From where in Indiana? I don't know. Didn't do that much research. Damn, it's the mullet <laughs> championship. <I'm just> <laughs> Fantastic competition, though. Oh boy, uh, anyway, I found her. Yeah, this I, we may know. We may have to ban that song. Uh, she went to college in the SEC after the SEC <laughs> yeah. lost the mullet it's championship to some dude in from the New York. Championship, That's yeah, bad. Yeah, from the capital region of New York. Anyway, hmm. congratulations to Scott and all the mullet fans, all the mullet growers out there. All right, that's our show. We'll be back later in the week with our picks. My nine and one on the locks of the week, just killing it. Oh, so wait a minute. So you false advertised? I did. I thought I was 10 and 0, but then someone reminded me. Remember when I bet Hawaii, uh, (laughs) I bet Michigan minus 51 would beat Hawaii, but then there was like Hawaii covered. That's right. That's right. So I'm not 10 and 0, but I'm 9 and 1. I think I'm 5 and 5. Come to me to break even. It's, a, it's, it's better a than lot. my bet. It's better than my overall picks, which are under 500, I believe, by like a couple of games. So, last week's pick of New Mexico giving New Mexico State giving two at UMass was the easiest pick of all time. Yeah, that that was, one was so a the bit single of a easiest lock of the week of all time. All right, we'll get to that next. Thank you for continuing to listen, sharing us on social media, telling your friends about us, subscribing. We'll be back. Talk to you later.